So I'm going to start by reading the passage that we're looking at today, which is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. So this is quite a nice little story I've got to, to look at today, but it is, it's full of depth, and a lot of it really resonated with me, so I hope you don't mind me sharing um, quite a lot from personal experience, really, today. Now, the first thing I noticed when I was reading this passage is that the events occur, that it all happens in and around the temple. And as it said at the end of Acts chapter 2, which Charles spoke on last week, the apostles and the other believers would worship together in the temple each day. Now, we're following a book, um, a commentary on Acts by Tom Wright, and I was reading what he said about this passage, and he, he draws attention to the fact that this healing um, happens outside the temple. And he takes this as one of the signs that God... God's plan was breaking out of the old structure that it had before and away from the specifically Jewish context. It's breaking out into the wider world. And, of course, I'm a really big believer and a big fan of the fact that God was doing a new thing in Jesus. I love the fact that he is always doing new things and that he's got something new to say each and every day. But the thing that surprised me and struck me from this passage was not the fact that the church was breaking away from the temple, but actually quite the opposite. I find it really interesting that the early believers still joined in the traditional routine of praying in the temple. Now, these people had seen something totally new in Jesus' ministry, it looked so radically different from what was being taught by those who seemed to be in the know about God. So you kind of would assume that they'd leave behind all the old ways in a flash, but they didn't. Because Jesus was to be found in that too. If you remember when Jesus met those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, 
He explained to them how every single part of the Old Testament was about him. It was the, he was the fulfillment, he is the fulfillment of all that came before. God and his word may well have been misinterpreted and twisted to people's agendas, but that didn't fa- change the fact that God was in it and Jesus was in it from the very beginning. And seen in the right light, all that came before can help us to appreciate just how amazing Jesus really is. I keep coming back to Psalm 24 at the moment. First one says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. He made everything. And I'm realizing more and more that he is in everything. And for me, part of getting to know him more and part of maturing in my faith has been recognizing God in the eyes of the people I meet in nature, in the everyday, in the past, and in the here and now. If we're not careful, we can get a bit holier than now. We can get a bit high-minded and forget that he is all around us, just waiting to be revealed, to take his proper place. And I really love that the disciples didn't immediately abandon the old ways and kind of look down on them. Because I can imagine them in, that, uh, in the temple listening to the readings with fresh ears and just soaking in all that it meant in the light of Jesus. I think that they could see Jesus in all that he had made. And they weren't so concerned with the fact that they now knew more, that they now knew better than those around them, that they felt the need to leave the others behind for dust. They saw God in the temple, and they saw the potential for growth and deeper understanding for those who weren't so far along the journey as they were. Now, before I come to the healing itself, there's really something quite interesting that comes just before Peter heals the man, and I really love this. Luke writes that both Peter and John look at the man intently. And they tell him to look at them. It's very specific, that. Now, when I was reading up on this, my study Bible directed me to a kind of similar story in Acts chapter 14, verses 8 to 10. And that says, In Lystra, I think that's how you say it, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. So in that passage, it seems that Paul was looking at the man in order to see whether he had enough faith to be healed. So it may be that that was what Peter and John were looking for too. And I mean, Jesus does refer to the link between healing and the faith of the one who is seeking healing, either for themselves or for someone else. So that that could be it. But I just would like to say that 
sometimes people can follow that train of thought to the conclusion that whenever there is an absence of healing, there must be a lack of faith. And now, I cannot claim to completely understand healing, but I've always really loved a quote that I read quite some time ago, and I'm really sorry because I couldn't find it for today. I can't even remember the name of the man who, who wrote it, but I will paraphrase it because it's been really helpful for me. The man who said it had a really successful healing ministry. And he said something like this. When we pray for someone for healing, sometimes they are healed. And sometimes they are not. So we pray for healing. I know some people with great faith who haven't been healed. And I know some people with a pretty shaky faith who have been healed. And it just always comes back to with me that I really struggle with generalizations because they generally lead to judgment. See what I did there on generalization? What works for me is to listen to his still small voice and to follow the unforced rhythms of grace which he leads me in. He knows best after all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It doesn't matter how much you know the Bible, it doesn't matter how much you know him, you cannot lean on your own understanding. So just putting that whole can of worms to the side, um, what I really like about this image of the lame man looking intently at them and them looking at, intently at him is that they really saw each other. I think that healing is a deeply personal, intimate and loving action. God is more interested in our spirits, our souls, than our physical body, but amazingly he shows concern for that part of us too. But what he most wants to heal in us is that deepest part of us. Which is why Jesus stopped that woman who stole a healing for, from him by grabbing his clothes. He wanted her to know that he gave her that healing lovingly. And it's why Jesus forgave sins at the same time he healed bodies. He cares. He sees us. And he wants us to know that. I've not had loads of experience of healing, but I have had some. And the most clear and beautiful healing I've ever had the privilege of being a part of was when I was in Romania and I prayed with this old lady. And she had been digging for scrap metal, which is what people did in the ghetto area where she lived, and a boulder had fallen off a truck and it had hit her and broken her ribs. And she was in a lot of pain. And we saw her when the ambulance came, but they couldn't really do anything for broken ribs. Um, and they probably wouldn't have taken her in anyway, because she was Roma, gypsy. So she was at home. Um, so we went to visit her, and I prayed with her. And I prayed with her with a guy who didn't really believe in God. <laughs> um, so we prayed for her, and um, I just had this overwhelming feeling of how much God loved her. And she was like, I can feel heat. I can feel heat. And she was just completely healed right there and then. And she came 
and she collected, we distributed flour, and she came and she just carried off a flour. And it was absolutely nuts. <laughs> um, but he saw her. That was the feeling. He knew her. He saw her. And the weird thing is that I have felt that same overwhelming love for people when I have been praying about the most mundane things or even just emotional things. He sees us and he cares. Healing or no healing, he cares. It's that love, somebody else mentioned, I think you did, it's that love, that never-ending, never-giving-up, never-running-out, never-getting-fed-up-of-you love. That's what makes the real difference in our lives. Uh, so, finally, I will actually come to the healing itself. <laughs> um, when, yeah, um, when Peter responds to the man, he says... I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now, Peter heals him in the name of Jesus. And I'm not going to go into it. I hope we all know something of the significance of that. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, Therefore God has highly exalted on him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, which is to bend, we will bend before Jesus, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There is power in the name of Jesus. He is Lord. But again, I think there's even more to this, to what Peter says here, than that, even though that is super important. Peter says, but I'll give you what I have. What does Peter have? He has Christ in him, the hope of glory. I remember somebody teaching me once about praying for people. I learned about healing from someone who was learning about healing himself and seeing it sometimes. Um, and, he, yeah. and it helped me to realize that when we pray for someone, we're not just throwing up prayers into the sky and hoping that some of them stick. We are lifting those people up before God. We're bringing them into his presence because we are constantly in his presence. We're already there and we're just bearing them into his presence. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. That is what we have. And when we pray for someone, I don't understand it, but we can release something of his presence his kingdom and his power on them. I'd just like to finish with one final note. Now, while I absolutely love talking about all the amazing spiritual realities which we have access to, God always talks to me 
about the fact that we live in a physical world too. And while God cares deeply for our spirits, he does not forget our physical needs. I think I've heard some people use this story as a bit of a get-out clause for not helping people practically. But as it says in James chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Peter and John were already sharing their possessions with the other believers. They, it seems that they probably had a common purse, so they, it's actually probable that they didn't actually have any money on them to give. And I think definitely, by all means, don't just throw money at a problem. Pray for it too. Pray for people when they ask for physical help. But we also must be ready to see to people's earthly needs when we have the means. We must be open to God's voice in this area too because we in we as Westerners have such a long way to go in this sphere and we've got a lot to learn. If the earth truly is the Lord's and everything in it and if the world and all its people belong to him then we must make sure that we are treating it like that in every aspect of our lives and in the lives of those around us. Right, I'll finish with a prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you see us and you care for us. Thank you so much that you see and care for every single person that you've you have made and i i do want to just take this opportunity to pray again for our friend son rupert who is fighting cancer and i i'm just reminded that i can bring him into your presence and put him in your lap and i do that again And, and I just want to thank you, God, for this journey that you have us on. Thank you that it is all about going hand in hand with, hand, in hand with you. That it's not about what we know and it's, <laughs> it's not about even what we see. But it's about being hand in hand with you and getting to know you more and seeing you in everything. And I thank you for being here with us. I thank you that you are not a remote God. And I pray that we would know you more and show you more and make you more visible to those around us. Open our eyes, God, and our ears and our hearts to you and help us to help others do the same. Amen.